Good morning and happy anniversary, Holy Trinity. I was very conscious almost the first week when Todd started um, teaching from uh, 1 Corinthians about the divisions, and then as the weeks are slowly unpacking, um, we are noticing that 1 Corinthians is a very action-packed letter filled with some troubles and some trials and some correction. But for this morning, in the sake of our celebration, I just wanted to go back to chapter one in Paul's opening lines, because despite all of the troubles that he will address in this letter to the church, an ordinary church, one of the things he holds in tension with the troubles practically is the great God who is caring for the past, the present, and the future of the lives of each individual as well as the church that is coming to birth and taking shape in that ancient city of Corinth. And so I want to just remind us for a moment as we begin to celebrate um, in Thanksgiving, using Paul's words to the followers of Christ here, these words and his heart for them as he looks over and considers the people of the church. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eager, eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so today, I am so grateful to be a part of this community. And I am filled the gratitude um, for this community and for what God is doing among you is shaping my heart and my imagination today. I... Um, I started attending only a few weeks, maybe even the second week, that Todd planted. And I didn't come here because of a job position. And I didn't come here because I knew Todd. I actually had no knowledge of Todd at all. I had never met him and I had never heard of his ministry. I came here through an invitation that I felt was given to me through someone else, um, but mostly through God. And I came here because I was looking for a community to be known in and to hold me and a place where I could actually worship with all of my heart in a community of people that I would grow to love and hopefully serve. When I first um, started serving, I had um, the pleasure of setting up chairs. And I'll never forget um, Todd handing me a little measuring tape, a yellow measuring tape, which he affectionately called the little 
yellow legalist. <laughs> and my little job was to make sure that there was enough distance between chairs so that people could kneel. And as I went around on Saturday afternoons, setting up chairs and then making sure there was enough room, I wondered, because the chairs weren't very full on Sundays, I wondered who would sit in those chairs. And I began early on for the ones who are already sitting in them, praying that they would be enriched in every spiritual gift and that they would be touched and refreshed. And then I would be praying for the ones who would come and fill those chairs and look, you're here. From day one, I think I knew there was something special going on here for me, <laughs> not as a pastor, but as a person. And I experienced from everyone, including the first day when the associate pastor at that time offered me the bread and he spoke my name. I was known and I was welcomed as I heard him say, Beth, the body of Christ broken for you. And I knew I had found a home. I love this picture. Daniel, can we have the other slide? I love this picture. It was taken by Christine Smith, who is an artist in our community. Nope, the other one. Um, and it is beautiful um, to me because as it captures the light reflected on the water, the splashes, it feels like it sparkles and it glimmers. Have you ever been at the water on a really clear, bright, sunny day, and the water just looks like it's filled with diamonds, sparkling in the sunlight. I think that's a little bit of the glimmer of grace that I see here among you and in your faces, and as I've sat with you and heard your stories. I see reflected in you the goodness of God, and each one of you has such a beautiful refraction of the image of Christ. We cannot do it without you. We cannot live without you in this body. And each one of you have such a rich part to play. As I look over your lives, and I've sat with many of you, and I've heard the painful past, I hear the troubled presence. I hear you express uncertainty, stress, anxiety, fear, and yet great hope in your future. As I've heard you unpack for me the places that are injurious or wounded, the places where you are doubtful and cynical, the places that challenge you to your core, I've also seen and heard the story, the testimony of Christ in you, and it has brought me encouragement. There are so many things that we will need to do in future months and years. And as we come together to work on building this community, we will have to make choices. We will have to think through the form of worship and how we minister and who will serve. But the deeper issues for me the questions that riddle my heart that I pray and lay over, labor over as your pastor are things like, what shape will mercy take 
as injury occurs? How will forgiveness unfold in this community into healing? Who will partner to listen, to care for, to sit with and hold the tears? How does comforting those who, tra who travel through grief or, or, or are only with us for a short time, how will we comfort those? How will we travel with them? Who is it will name with spiritual gifts and draw them out? How will we look at the sparkling radiance that is here among us and see the glimmer of God's grace and work and celebrate that? How will we love one another? As I hold your stories and your lives, as I hold this congregation in prayer, and as I serve you as your pastor, you are beautiful <laughs> to me. You sparkle with the grace of God. I just pray that we would continue to look at one another and find the beauty, the radiance, and testify of that, witness to that, because God is here. He is present with us. His spirit is shaping us. And this is a special community. It is not the only community, but it is a unique one. And my prayer for our future days would be that we would participate in the grace of God and glory in Christ among us and love one another well. In a few moments, you're going to be hearing some of the personal stories among us. And I just want you to know that I thank God always for you. So this morning, we're going to steep our minds in the scriptures and, as Beth said, hearing some stories of what God has been doing amongst us. A reading from Hebrews and Matthew. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Alan and Jim, if you'll come. From there, um, called Unhurried Living, um, which in general just helps Christians of all kinds to try to uh, find an unhurried life, but also especially to assist Christian leaders in, in finding some non-anxious ways of uh, leading. So a lot of this has come to fruition just in the last number of months or years or so. So give everybody a sense of how Holy Trinity has been an, uh, uh, an assist or asset to you in your life outside of the church. Um, Holy Trinity for me has, um, well, it was an answer to a prayer that I did not think God could actually answer. <laughs> Um, the people, the liturgy, the Eucharist. If I told you how many interesting connections I've had with God just in the Eucharist part of this service, um, there, there's a re reorientation that happens week after week, um, a renewing, a rest, and um, I was just thinking if I was like a needle on a record player, you know, 
do you remember what those are? <laughs> They're coming back. If I was, if I was a needle, I could, I could safely put myself down in the grooves of the rhythm of what happens here at Holy Trinity, and I know that music, beautiful music is going to happen. And um, this is critical to who I am. My, what I do, well, let's see, let me say, who I am is critical to what I do. And Holy Trinity is a big, huge reset button week after week that I know I'm in the wave with all of you and knowing that you're all here, um, the quality of person that is here, um, as I've been getting to know some of you, um, amazing and really a gift. So thank you. Yeah, I think you know, we found Holy Trinity just a little over two years ago. And... Um, what I would say is that church for me before that felt like a place where I was homeless. <clears throat> Maybe it feels like a weird way to say it. I was attending, I was there, but my soul didn't feel at home. I was really wrestling, was, was, there, was it possible for me? There had been a time when church felt like a home to me, at least a social home, but often a faith home too. But over time where I had found myself walking, the kind of church I was a part of didn't feel like a home for my soul anymore. And then as I've been more involved, Jim and I both in, in a lot more itinerant sort of ministry where we're out with different groups, uh, I've been home seven days in the last month just because of various ministry trips, international and local. I woke up in Dallas this morning. Maybe I win the long distance commuter award this morning, do. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but as I was flying home this morning, as I came over the hills and saw the ocean, it's so clear today, it's amazing. Uh, part of me felt, I'm coming home here in Southern California. Part of me felt, I'm coming home. I'll see my wife. I'll see my sons. But part of me, I felt, I'm coming home. I'm coming to Holy Trinity this morning. And to have a place of home, a place of roots, uh, and, and everything that happens in this service makes my soul feel at home. The readings that stand on their own. You know, the, the liturgy and the prayers that, that are that sort of groove. The, uh, the Eucharist that keeps Jesus at the center of all that we do in this service. That, I need that. And it gives me a place where no matter where I am on the planet, I know I have a home. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Yes, you can applaud. A reading from Colossians and Acts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Quang, as you come forward, um, I just remember having just one a really happy moment. I'm sorry, I can't remember the details about how Quang and Beth met, but somehow they met. And Beth, coming, you can come on up, um, switch places with you. And Beth excitedly telling me that she'd met Quang, um, who is a professional musician, and I can't remember his exact title, but directs much of the music ministry at the Crystal Cathedral, also owns his own business where he teaches uh, music to others, and uh, has been a huge uh, addition to us musically. But tell us personally, like when you came to Holy Trinity, um, the connection you made. Absolutely. 
Well, uh, first of all, I'm not that tall, so we've got to lower this down. <laughs> so it's a little high for me. Well, it's a fair, actually, it's a really um, blessing because uh, one of Holy Trinity, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one of, um, a member of Holy Trinity also goes to Christ Cathedral, formerly known as Christ Cathedral, and she's right in the front. Her name is Linda. And it's okay. I still call it sometimes. But Linda um, touched base with me, and it was through her mom. Her, um, it was the funeral, and um, I played my, uh, the violin uh, with her. And so uh, we've had this connection with her father, Hank. And he always sits in the front, sweetest uh, man ever, and he always sits in the front. So we had this connection. And then a couple months later, I got a phone from uh, Beth Corey, and she called me. She goes, well, we need this music. We need some classical. She started naming all these uh, artists. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm going to come down. No problem. No, uh, and so, I, so then we met. And then so the campus is really big. So I'm sitting in my office looking. And Beth's like texting me like, I'm here. I'm like, where? And she's walking in. She's walking in. And then we met down in the music room. Had this great connection. She had, um, she was so um, talented in her artistry that she gave these pictures to me and I said well let me can you paint uh, through music and uh, through uh, these images that I give you and I said sure no problem I'll, I'll do that and I and week a couple weeks later I come down here and I play and I can't tell you guys how fulfilled I am every Sunday um, I'm a really busy person I do seven days a week I 350 choir members uh, and then the business and then also the school full-time and right now I'm, I'm picking up a mass that has 11 masses that bless the sacrament. But um, one thing about Holy Trinity is the idea of rest. And I couldn't understand that idea. The idea that we live in this society where it's seven days a week, and I'm still young, and I'm, I'm, I, I can do it, but I don't, it's not sustainable. But I've taken the courage to take a Saturday off. Do you believe that? A Saturday off. Yeah, it's, it's, let me tell you, it's scary taking a Saturday off. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm a failure, you know? And then I've taken that Saturday off, and it refills me on the next Sunday. I come here, and I meet Travis. I meet uh, Joe Randine, his son, Keegan, um, Michelle, and we just play music. And, and that fuels me. That gives me that my Monday. I come Monday teaching about 16 hours a day, and I love it. And I love the people. I love just all of you guys, and, and this is the reason why I'm here, and it's through God, for sure. It gives me the energy, and I just want to say I love you all. I really do. Yeah. So, Quang is, um, for lack of a, you know, we're not real big on titles around here, but for lack of a better title, uh, Quang is acting something like a music director, which means he's trying to help us um, kind of find and and groom new, hopefully young musicians of, of different sorts of instrumentation around here to sort of fill out what we're doing. And helps a lot with Beth when we're sort of stitching the service together with musical interludes. That's, uh, that's all Quang, so we're grateful for. And Sean, uh, come on up, please. So if I remember right, Sean, um, HT, Holy Trinity was one of, if not your first uh, church experience or sort of a, a, a back to church moment for you or something. I don't remember for sure, but talk about how it is that your faith came alive here. First off, Quang, uh, I feel your brother with the microphone. It's already the appropriate height. So, you're good. <laughs> um, Actually, uh, I, would, I would probably say Holy Trinity is my first church experience. Uh, 
in that the search was out there. I had gone to a couple of them. Um, but uh, my life before Christ was lost, as we were talking about this morning. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, feeling that what I ought to do and filling my soul out there, I had something else that I was meant to do or a life, a better life. Uh, but just not having Christ in there, there's that sense of lostness. Uh, so, you know, me being the person I am, uh, I wanted to search, I have a search for the truth. Um, not my truth that comes wrapped in a box with a bow and there's God that I want him to be. Not my truth, but the truth, the real God. And in going in a couple other places, I felt like I was getting the very well-wrapped bow version of it that's supposed to fit a narrative that I want. Um, but that's not what I wanted. I want the truth, the truth that's going to make me uncomfortable, the truth that's going to point out my flaws and the flaws in all of us, of course. But, um, and I feel I get that here. And to me, that means more than anything. And I feel that's part of all of our journey, but my journey in particular is to find the truth. So thank you. (laughs) A reading from Matthew and Acts. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia. But seek first his kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, as you might imagine, hearing those stories and knowing a bit about most of your stories, it makes our work together a very cherished thing. It was a number of months ago, I think, that it might have been when we were working on our kind of sustainability giving um, earlier this year. Um, The thought hit me, I hope not in any sort of a prideful way, it just felt sort of objective to me. Um, I just remember the thought coming to me that theologically orthodox, gospel-oriented, spirit-filled, and formationally-focused churches are really rare and I think are needed at this point in American and Orange County history. Sometimes people, you know, ask me about what I'm doing and um, it's like this seems a bit too much to say maybe, but if I'm just keeping it real, I feel like I want to help lead some sort of moral transformation in our country. And I just know that that begins from the inside out. And that it's not something ultimately as good as laws are, and laws definitely have a moral purpose in civil society. There's no doubt about it. Laws can do good. And social norms come and go that some are good or better than others. But I just feel like every time I read the news, um, how would the world be different if? I helped my daughter edit her master's thesis this week before she sent it in. 
Her master's thesis essentially shows how American consumption of cocaine as it's grown in Central America, trafficked through Guatemala, up through Mexico, and across our border, causes the deaths of tens of thousands of innocent children. Just so we can get high. You know what I mean? And that's just one thing. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. And there's a part of me that I can't with a good conscience just like live with that. And so I first say to myself, how can I make myself present to my life as I currently know it with its rhythms and routines? How can I make myself present to my life such that others experience me as for their good? Not to use them or to benefit from them. And that's a real journey. And it, it takes um, work with God by his power and grace for the transformation of our souls. So our vision, the thing that really focuses our life together, I think, is simply put like this. Our vision is for God's unshakable kingdom to come, for the full flourishing of its righteousness and peace and joy for every person. The kid being trafficked, the CEO of a big company, the single mom trying to raise three kids on her own. The full flourishing, the righteousness and peace and joy of God's kingdom for every person, that's our vision. And our mission, in terms of what we do, <clears throat> is we help all those who desire to become the cooperative friends of Jesus. Those who want to demonstrate God's creative goodness and see the renewal of all things, we're trying to help everybody who wants to do that. And we said that we've done it, at least the public part of us, the part, the, the things that have guided our pursuit of this vision and mission in public has been these three words that you've heard, thoughtfulness, quiet, and beauty. And I think it's because these three values are the habitual practices that shape who we are, what we do, and how we do it. So for instance, for me, thoughtfulness works against being judgmental. And it works towards good and lovely and gracious discernment. See, when, it's when you can't be thoughtful that we knee-jerk judge and prejudge and assume we know about something. But just this little rhythm of thoughtfulness works against that. Quiet works for groundedness in Christ and against anxious living. Beauty alerts our hearts to the ongoing work of God in the world and heals our cynical pessimism. So this is where we've been moving, and as you know, we've we had a, a month or so under Dwayne's guidance to do these focus groups and this survey, and it's been fantastic. And we're working with a core group of our leaders to try to figure out, you know, what does this data mean? Um, what are its, its implications? Uh, how does it direct our, our way forward? And more will come, but I, I just want to say how very encouraging it was. And it helps us see that there's a little bit of re-engineering for us to do, especially around issues of community and financial sustainability and, and some staffing, um, just to keep this alliteration going, some rebranding, so to speak. And that is to say, I think after seven years now, we've kind of figured out who we are. And one of the things that we hear over and over again is that people just don't know we're here. And so I think we need to think about how in gentle and appropriate sort of godly ways we can help just discern amongst ourselves what is it that's going right by the hand of God and, and how can we join him there? How can we help the people in our neighborhoods who are stressed know that they can find a quiet Sunday retreat here? 
or our neighbors who find the world's problems overwhelming could come here and find some thoughtful considerations about it. Or for our friends who find human life increasingly ugly could know that they could come here and find beauty. So I think we've got some re-engineering to do, some rebranding and keeping the alliteration going. I think um, some relocating in the sense of just finding a place for us to settle here in Orange County. And that may begin just with an office or something, but you know, right now there's no sense of physical groundedness and I think it's something we need to pay attention to. So worshiping God together, walking with Jesus and working together through the power of the Holy Spirit, our sense of ourselves is we are apprentices of Jesus, learning to live as he taught was best and cooperating with God in the renewal of all things. And so I look forward to and invite you on this spiritual excursion wherein I hope in this place, this has always been my little dream, that in this place you would find warm and gracious space to rest from your work and reflect on your life and redirect yourself to Jesus as his disciple. Let's stand.